we've been looking at some really important skills that God wants you to have and you to practice in your own personal life, in your walk with God, and in your work life. The Lord is incredibly practical. He expects us to do what he says. He doesn't give us some pie-in-the-sky type of thinking. He's very pragmatic. And so far, we've looked at three skills. We looked at avoiding the naysayers, as you know. You remember that one? Avoiding those people that say, no, nothing can be done. Last week especially, though, we looked at focusing on your strengths. There's not enough time to fix my weaknesses and your weaknesses. And the longer you go on, you need to focus in your sweet spot on the area of your strength. Today, though, I want to talk to you about the skill of timing. And that's learning to be both fast, quick, Joseph Parker, you slow at that, man, you're on the deck. And when to be slow. And the scripture talks a lot about both. It's a very important skill in life, even rugby. You know, have you seen those guys running backwards catching the ball or jumping to catch the ball? You keep that, you catch that ball if your eyes on the ball and your timing's right. If it's wrong, you're in trouble. It's also true in business. Good timing can hugely help you secure a profitable business. Good timing. Good idea in the wrong time, no good. You need a good idea at the right time. It's important. Also, in investing, good timing is very important. Very important. Also, in, in love. I had to wait for a bit for mine. My wife wasn't interested at first. <laughs> There's a timing in love if you just give up straight away. And we'll talk about that later. The Bible says this. If you take out your outline, you may want to take some notes on this. As the Lord applies this to you and your Christian life, which is primarily what I'm interested in today, to you and your family life, and to you and your business life. Today, Ecclesiastes 8, 6, there is a right time and a right way to do everything. But we know so little. That's why we go to the source of all knowledge. Solomon is affirming here there's a right time and a right way to do everything. Now, in business, we recognize this, this skill. It's called execution. Doing things the right way at the right time, effectively executing. And there's a rhythm to life and to love and to your spiritual walk. And wise people know how to cooperate with those rhythms. In the Spirit, it's called walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Now, you learn to sense when to go fast and when to go slow. And the Bible has a lot to say about something that you like, Martin, and I just endure as a necessary evil, running. <laughs> the Bible has a lot to say about running. Some of you don't like running. Some of you love it. But the Bible compares your life to a race. And we'll look at a few scriptures later on. But the Bible also tells us that Jesus' ministry and life on earth had a sense of urgency about it. There was a sense of urgency. 
15 times I scanned the Bible. I'm, I'm blessed. I have a computer software I can scan. Give me all the verses where Jesus and immediately in the same verse. 15 times they're in the same verse. Immediately and Jesus. There was a sense of urgency. Now, some people have this concept of Jesus sort of going around all very slowly and cruising around and, you know, not sweating it too much. That's just not true. There was sometimes when Jesus got on it quick. Just as Jesus had a sense of urgency, Paul had the same urgency. There's a couple of verses up here on the screen. The first one's in 1 Timothy 6.12. Run hard and fast in the faith. You may want to write that down. This is to you. Run hard and fast in the faith. And Paul's using athletic language here. Paul is giving his best effort to the most worthwhile cause on the planet. Best effort. Most most worthwhile cause deserves best effort. And this is a challenge to Christians who have got this this wrong notion that Christianity is very passive. Just go with the flow. And the ev- you know, and advocate that as, as such. So, well, just, you know, cruise. Christian service, friends, Paul's talking about here in this verse, is like an athletic endeavor that requires sacrifice and discipline. That's what happens. Athletes need both which largely defines whether we are spectators or participants. Participants just cruise and are very disengaged. They're passive. They're not engaged. If I'm on a a team, I want my team to be engaged, playing the game. Boots on, mouth guards in, ready to go for it. Question. How would you today rate your contributing role to Christ's team? On a scale of one to five, that's between you and God. Good chance to do a warrant of fitness this morning. From one to five, how would you rate your contribution to Christ's team on earth? Is it getting the best effort for the most valuable cause? Here's another verse that encourages along the same line. 1 Corinthians 9. Run in such a way as to get the prize. You don't get the prize for dawdling, right? My mother used to say, get a move on. That means, underlay, underlay. Faster, faster. That's what that means. Underlay, underlay. That's what he's saying. Run in such a way as to win the prize. In other words, put some effort into that. This is the other part where the greasy gracies go way down here and say, just cruise, be passive, do nothing. Paul's saying, no, get the whole counsel of God in your heart and in your mind. The whole counsel. Oh, you are saved by grace, and grace is the basis and the root of our salvation. But good deeds... And getting all the purposes are the fruit that you present to God. Big difference. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Notice he doesn't say walk or meander around. Sometimes you need to go fast. And I want to drill on this a little while this morning. Here's another one. 
1 Corinthians 9.26 from the NLT. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just ran, running in circles, going nowhere. Where are you going? Good question. Crazy to start a race when you don't know where the end line is. You're just going to spend your effort in vain. Remember, earth is like two seconds. We're only here for two seconds. We're here for two seconds. This is not the reality that you will live in for the rest of eternity. This is a blip. This is two seconds. That is proper, godly perspective. This is not all there is. The world will try and tell you that. This is not all there is. That's why he says here, I run with purpose in every step. See, Paul was very purposeful, as was Jesus, as should we be. These things are for an example to set how we should run life. Life is a race. Life is a test. Life is a trust. And life is a what? Temporary assignment. You may want to write that down. Life is a test, life is a trust, and life is a temporary assignment. So whilst you're here, run hard. I run with purpose in every step. Paul was purposeful in his life. And he goes on to say, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm making those punches count. The need to hit the mark. Missing the mark is sin. Hitting the mark is on target. And by the way, he says this, Paul quotes that verse talking to the Philippians, which is about 30 years after he was converted. So 30 years on from his initial conversion, he's pressing forward with enthusiasm, with persistence, and with purpose and determination. That was a deep challenge to me and is a deep challenge to me. How about you? Paul says, run. Philippians 3.12, I run to win. Now clearly, there are many passages in the scripture where God says, I want you to get moving, go fast. I've only chosen a few. There are probably hundreds more. But the Bible also says, has a lot to say about waiting and going slow. Now, knowing when to go fast and knowing when to get, go slow is an important skill to being effective in our Christian walk, effective in life, in love, and in leadership. So when does God want me to move fast? This is not an exhaustive list. This is just exemplary, just representative. Firstly, I should always move fast when God tells me to do something. The Bible is filled with instructions. They're called commandments. They're called precepts. And God expects us to obey his commands. How many of you are parents here? Okay, few of you. What happened if you wanted your child to do something and your child said, well, okay, mum, I'll think about that. Yeah. We grin and 
But you know what? We do that to God all the time. God tells us to do something and we go, "Mm, yeah, I hear you, but I'll think about it. I hear you, but I'll think about it. Really? Every parent knows that delayed obedience is disobedience. Mark 1.17 says this. Jesus said to them, come follow me. So Simon and Andrew immediately, not the next day, not next week, immediately left their nets and they followed him. There's an immediacy to it. Hop to, let's go. The boss is called, I'm on it. And in this particular case, which God may ask some of you to do too, he has done this to me as he did to Simon right there and Andrew. In this particular case, it meant leave your job. Leave your job. And they did it immediately. There was an immediate obedience. Now, with obedience, hurry is a good quality. Get on it. We often think of hurry in a negative connotation, a negative sense. Because it reminds us of stress and problems and pressures and worries and the bustle of life. But hurry is always a good word when it comes to obedience. Because the Bible says in Psalm 119 here, and verse 60, without delay, I hurry to obey your command. Without delay. Some of you, he's spoken to about getting baptized. And you've been procrastinating. You've known about that for a while. I hurry to obey. So my question to you is this. What do you know God has told you to do? Put that seed in your heart that you still haven't done. Maybe it's time to just think about that and maybe write something down. You know it, yet you're delaying it. Think about that. What are you waiting for? So firstly, I should move fast, not only when God tells me positively to do something, I should move fast when I need to offer forgiveness. We spend much of our lives dealing with guilt and resentment, especially in the past, and worry about the future, so we mess up our lives today as a result. Now, for your own health's sake, you need to act quickly because your body is not designed to be uh, taking a bath each day in cortisol, which is a stress hormone, because it drags down your immune system and then you're prone to all sorts of other opportunistic diseases. There's a strong correlation, go do the reading, between stress and cancer. When your immune system is dragged down, and this is often the root cause, guilt and resentment from the past and worry about the future. In fact, last week, Gerard's home group did a skit on this entire, on this next verse, Matthew 5, 23. If you are giving an offering at worship, in other words, when you come to church, if you're going to give an offering, and you suddenly remember that something, that somebody has something against you, leave your gift and go immediately. See, 
God is saying, get after that. Do not procrastinate to that person and be reconciled. Then come back to worship and offer your gift. In other words, don't use worship as an excuse to procrastinate and deal with that spat that you're having with somebody. He says, that's phony. Fix it. Quick. That's what he's saying there. He's saying, don't do that. that because that will be hypocritical to do that. God, I love you, yes, but I told you to love me and love other people. It's important. So who do you need to reconcile with is the question which Gerard's group brought up last week as we took communion. Number three, I should move fast when I feel tempted. To defeat temptation, you need a preventative and an emergency tactic. In the moment of temptation, never get into a mental argument with temptation. You're going to lose. Don't resist it. Run from it. Change the channel. Flee. Escape. There's, a, there's an, uh, an, an impetus there, an energy there. First Timothy 6, 11 says this. Run away from all evil things. Next verse says, run away from the worship of idols. Really? Ian, we don't worship idols today. Actually, we do all the time. We idolize all kinds of stuff. Let me give you number one, your job, your boat, your house, your retirement, your children. And what I mean by that is anything you place before God that has a bigger footprint, a bigger authority to dictate your life, that's an idol. I'm not talking about some little piece of stone sitting on your desk. Anything you put before, it could even be your spouse. Where their opinion matters more than God's. They may be good people, but they don't deserve to have first place or God's role in your life. Anytime you take a person and you elevate them above God and their opinion matters more to you than God's, you have just made an idol of that person. So we do. We idolize people all the time and things as well. Another area, 1 Corinthians 6.18, run away from sexual sin. Run. Move it. Don't hang around there. Change. Move. Businessmen, be careful when you're away on trips. You think nobody's watching. God is. He knows when you're tempted in those stores, those shops, in that hotel room, when you're by yourself. When you're by yourself, you're at risk. So, if you don't want to get stung, stay away from the beehive. Very simple. Keep away. Number four, when I should move fast? When I've made a promise to God. We've all made promises to God. I have. You have. But we've forgotten about them sometimes, right? In the heat of the moment. And we got lazy. Ecclesiastes 5, 4 says this. When you make a promise to God... Keep it as quickly as possible. In other words, I should move on that fast. Move fast. He isn't happy with foolish people. Do what you promised. So what promise do you need to fulfill? Is there something that you promised God that you'd do? And you've kind of like sidelined it. Ah, 
he'll forget that. The Bible says when you make a promise, keep it as quickly as possible. What promise do you need to fulfill? Is it to read your Bible more? Is it to share your faith, to evangelize more? Is it to fulfill some commitment that you made? Start serving. Lord, I will use my life. Because I do realize it's such a short period here for your glory. Friends, when it comes to Bible reading, we can have our goals in life so out of sync with the Bible that you'll find the Bible boring. Let me say that again. We can have our goals in life so out of sync with God that you find the Bible boring. That should be a flashing light on your dashboard. Something's not right here. Number five, I should move fast when I have the opportunity to do good. Every day, God gives you and I little opportunities to do good, to be kind, to show kindness to people around you. And he's watching to see if you're going to be self-centered and oblivious to the people who are around you, or you're going to notice the people who need a word of encouragement and a pat on the back, maybe need help in some way. And God says this is a test when you have opportunity to do good. Proverbs 3.27 there on your outline says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it while it is in your power to act. That opportunity will not last forever. How many of you have had new neighbors move into your neighborhood in the last like four or five years? Can I see your hands? How many of you thought, hmm, I should go bake him a cake, pop over, say hello, or something like that? Anybody thought that? How many of you did it? Oh, whoa, we dropped down to less than 10% of us. It's embarrassing. After two years, you go, I can't go and say welcome to the neighborhood now. (laughs) Right? You get caught. So when they come, get on it. Do it quickly. Because it's highly embarrassing later. I mean, it's better than nothing, but it is much easier to do it quickly. See, we all have the best intentions, but it's way too easy to not do anything about them. Some of you thought you should do something last year, and now it's nearly the end of this year, and you still haven't done it. (laughs) And we make all kinds of excuses, and this is the favorite one I hear. I'm so busy when things settle down. Remember this. Things don't settle down. It's one thing after the other, after the other. The Bible says this, good advice. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. If you wait for things to be just right, you'll be still sitting here at 80. Anybody want to agree with that verse? If you wait for the perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done? Absolutely. The reason why we need to get on with doing it now is there's no guarantee of tomorrow. John 9 forces this. And Jesus is speaking. He says, all of us must, this is all of us, everybody in this room, must quickly carry out the tasks 
assigned to us by the Father who sent him. Because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. This is it. So, question to you here. Quick warrant of fitness. What have you been intending to do and have not done yet? The Bible's word to you will be, do it now. Get on it. And six, most important, I should move fast when God offers me salvation. I've got to move quickly on that offer. Some of you have been coming to New Hope for a while, but you've been putting off stepping across the line and saying, yep, I'm not trusting myself to save me. I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior. What are you waiting for? Why in the world would I delay having my past forgiven, having a real purpose for living, and having a home in heaven? Why would I delay that? Who else can give you that? There is no other name, as we're saying today. No other name under heaven by which we must be saved. No one else but Jesus can be your Savior. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. God is ready to help you right now. Today is a day of salvation. So if God offers you eternity in heaven, you ought to accept that today. Not a week later or a month later or postpone and procrastinate. You need to move fast on that. And I'll help you settle that one at the end of the service. Now, not everything in the Bible requires and in life requires things quick, a fast response. The Bible also has a whole bunch of counter verses which are important in the whole counsel of God about slowing down. And that's why I'm saying timing is critically important. By the way, if many of you play baseball or even golf, even golf, doesn't matter. Well, let's take baseball. The guy pitches the ball. Same pitcher, same ball, same bat, same batter. When that ball comes down here, that guy, now, it takes the same amount of effort to hit a strike and a home run as it does to hit a foul. The difference if it's too quick, it'll be a foul. If it's too slow, it'll be a foul. If it's a strike, a home run, it'll be bang on time. Same amount of effort. Timing is critical. That's why the Bible talks about a rhythm in life. There's a time to plant and a time to harvest. There is a time to weep. There's a time to rejoice. There's a time to go fast. And there's a time to slow, go slow. Now, life is a series of rhythms, and successful people, successful Christians, know when to do what at the right time. So when does God want me to move slowly? I want to talk about a quick verse, just touching it. Proverbs 14, 29. It is smart to be patient. Some people are trigger happy. Now, I'm going to give you a few examples, but again, this is not exhaustive. I should move very slowly when I don't have the facts. Culture seems to idolize impulsiveness. You know, it's cool. Well, go with your gut. Go with your instinct. That's really often a cover for laziness and doing due diligence. That's on one side. The Bible encourages what we always used to say in IT, management by fact. By fact. Get the fact. The Bible actually says, get the facts at any price. That's how much it prizes facts. 
some of the culture thinks about, well, follow your heart. The truth is, friends, and this may be a shock to you, but this is biblical worldview. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9. Our hearts lie to us a lot of the time. This is a good business partner. Oh, boy, be careful there. The heart is the most deceitful thing there is and desperately wicked. No one can really know how bad it is. That's what the Scripture says. Humanism saying, no, we're all good. That's completely 180 degrees opposite to what the Scripture says. This is why following a heart can lead to major disappointments in business and in life. One dead end after another. Or in relationships, one broken relationship after another. Why? Because we need an effective, objective source of truth that's a lot more reliable than us. You know, I got up this morning and I felt like starting this business. Friends, feelings are often wrong. That feeling can come from the pizza you had last night. Look at these verses. Zeal, Proverbs 19.20. Zeal, that's enthusiasm. Zeal is an old word. Without knowledge. Zeal without knowledge. In other words, you've got to get the facts. Is not good. A person who moves too quickly may go the wrong way. That's why we're talking about skills. You've done that when you're driving in a brand new area. And you don't know which way you should turn. I know your phone's flat, something like that. But you felt pressure and you followed your hunch and it wasn't the right direction. You ended up going dead end. Just because something feels right doesn't mean it's true. Big difference. Coming back to business. In New Zealand, 25% of small businesses fail within the first three years. Don't just start a business on a hunch. Get the facts. Benchmark off the best. Again, Proverbs 18.13. To decide before knowing the facts is shameful and stupid. Don't go starting property development without getting the facts, knowing the tax laws, knowing the timing of all of that. There's a lot to do. Naivety has brought more businesses down than you can poke a stick at. You need to manage. And by the way, it's impossible to manage what you cannot measure. Number two, I should move slowly when I'm hurt or I'm angry. You may want to put in brackets or depressed. How many of us have made a bad decision, said something stupid, which can often lead to stupid decisions when you're upset? Many of us have. The Bible says this, very practical. Everybody in James 1 should be, everybody, that's all of us here, should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now, here's the point I found in all relationships. If you do the first two, you're quick to listen and you're slow to speak. The third is automatic. You get that for free if you adhere to the first two. Usually, we're exactly the opposite. We are quick to unload our opinion on somebody, and therefore we're slow to listen. When they're telling us their story, we're going, get to the end of this. I've got something else I want to say. And we're not listening. 
So it then causes unnecessarily, uh, unnecessary relational problems. Proverbs 14.29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered makes foolish mistakes. Foolish mistakes. Two more quick verses. Proverbs 15.28, it's on the screen here. The godly think before speaking. In other words, it's saying put your mind into gear before you put your mouth into gear. David says it this way. He says, Lord, put a sentry or guard at my mouth. Put a guard there so that anything that goes by, it's it's, it's checked. Security checked. Spam filter. Hmm? Put one of those there. Proverbs 15, 18, again, on the screen. Losing your temper causes trouble, but staying calm settles arguments. So how, how do you stay calm? You go slow. Don't be too quick. Keep the volume down. The volume down is a good start. If you start to sense the volume going up, turn the volume down. Third area, I should move slowly. When I'm making a major decision, this one could save you a lot of heartache and a lot of money too. Never make a major decision impulsively. Take some time to think it through and to pray it through. And always pray before you pay. Some of you here are unmarried and you'd like to be married. I'm going to give you the consolidation of my best marriage counseling in two words. Here it is. Go slow. We see somebody, we like him. We like him a lot. And six months later, we're ready to tie the knot. Hmm, are you kidding? You're going to spend the rest of your life with this person. Do some due diligence. See them go through at least a few seasons of life. You should see them when they're upset. Because when we date, it's so phony. We look our best. We've always brushed our hair and brushed our teeth, and we smell the best. And we're just uh, as best as we could possibly be. But that is false advertising. (laughs) Because you are not normally like that. Right? You need to go slow. So, you need to see them when they're upset. You need to see them when when they're in a frump. (laughs) How do they react? Because they are like that. You just haven't sniffed it out yet. You need to be like a forensic detective. I tell all of my boys, you check her out, boy. That's why this one's coming down next week. I hope you listen to this, Joshua. Hi, Jenna. Love you. Josh is bringing Jenna down this week to have a family frisk up. Find out what's going on in this girl's life. She's a great girl. No, I've known her for a while. But the point is, we, we take it way too lightly. You do, look, you will never buy a business without doing the due diligence. I would have a fit if you did. And this is your wife, and it should last longer than your business, I hope. <laughs> Proverbs twenty one twenty nine says this. Wicked people bluff their way through life. Kind of give them the appearance of knowledge. But God's people, notice the contrast, God's people think before they take a step. Think. We used to have a big sign at IBM. One word, 
People don't. They run on emotion. Emotions aren't bad, but the terrible way of making decisions. So, what major decision do you need to slow down on? Maybe retirement. <laughs> Be very careful of that one. A lot of research here says you jump that one too quick. You're dead within six years. Read it. BP did the major study, 35,000 employees. Now, a new job. Proverbs 4.26 says this, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Ponder is a very old word, which means to carefully consider the direction of your life. You cannot ponder fast. Think about it. And this applies to career moves. This applies to marriages. This applies to ministry and finances. A lot of people dream about tomorrow, but few people ask, what do I need to do today to get there? Well, if you're going to go into ministry, can I suggest to you the number one thing you need to do, apart from be growing in your counsel of the Word of God. Reading the Word and engagement in the Word of God is critical. The second thing you need to do is reduce your debt. You need to get yourself in a position where you're not a slave for the next 35, 40 years so you can support yourself. A lot of people dream about tomorrow, but few ask, what do I need to do today to get there? Proverbs 22.3. Sensible people see trouble coming because they're pondering the feet of their path. They're looking where they're headed and they avoid that trouble coming, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. Now, the number one violation of this principle comes in what area? Spending. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.5 on the screen, plan carefully, plan carefully. We've talked a lot about this in this church, and you'll have plenty. But if you act too quickly, that's going too fast. If you act too quickly impulsively, You'll never have enough. So, I need to slow down when I, one, don't have the facts. Two, when I'm hurt or angry slash depressed. Three, when I'm making a major decision. And let me give you one more. The Bible says, I need to move slowly when waiting for a seed I have planted to grow. This is all about the law of sowing and reaping. And everything starts as a seed of an idea often in our heads an idea for a relationship an idea for a something that God wants you to do with your life a ministry maybe an idea for a business something that's planted in your mind but unless the seed's planted nothing happens you do a bit of work to get that seed rolling but once the seed's in there and planted it can take time to grow Nathan and Millie have got a veggie garden down the back of our place, and they grow tomatoes and all sorts of vegetables there. But they don't rush down there and put bean seeds in there, and then, you know, next day rush down to see if they're there and dig them up to see if they're started. It takes time for something to grow, to germinate. There's always a delay between planting and harvesting. You reap in a different season than you're sowing. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to scatter 
That means scatter the seed and the time to gather in that harvest. In between, what do you do whilst you're waiting? You keep on sowing your seed. For you, because the Bible says here, Ecclesiastes 11.6, Keep on sowing your seed, for you never know which ones will grow. Perhaps they all will. This is important when you're applying for a job, young fellas. Don't just apply for two or three. Apply for 103. As many as you can that fit your skill set. Don't just take the first one and say, oh, thank goodness somebody wants me. No, 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 no. You apply for a lot. Because some of those will take off. It's like in business, you can have seven horses that you're riding. Of those, three or four will drop off and you're left with maybe, maybe two or three, whatever it ends up. But you have to ride a few for a start. Not all of the seed germinates. Habakkuk 2.3 says this. God speaking, he says, and this is especially a verse for some of you who have been waiting for a while, and it's a word of encouragement. At the time I have decided, God speaking, my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time. Let me reword that. It may seem slow. But keep on waiting. It will happen. Because, of course, what God says will happen. Because he can see it. He's outside of time. I want to end today with King Solomon's prayer. It's a great prayer. Solomon's writing 1 Kings 8. Let's go slowly through this and just look at this. May God keep us centered. Not sidelined, not distracted. May God keep us centered and devoted to him. Yes. Following the life path he has cleared. Watching the signposts and walking. Not running so fast that I miss him. At the pace and the rhythms he laid down for our ancestors. And that is my prayer for you. May God keep you and I centered and devoted to him, following the path he has cleared, watching for signposts and walking, not running so fast, that at the pace and rhythms he laid down for us. And before we end, I want to go back to that issue. Some of you have not stepped across the line. I don't want you to end this year not being in God's family, having your past forgiven, having a purpose for living, and having a home in heaven. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 6 up here on the screen. God says, I tell you, the right time is now. The day of salvation is now. Now is a time to have those things happen. Your past is forgiven, purpose for living, and a home in heaven. Acts 22.16, why wait any longer? Get up and be baptized and trust him to save you. I hope you'll do that today. Let's pray. Just pray this in your mind. Say, Father, help me to be sensitive to your timing. Help me to know when to go slow and when to say no. Help me to move fast when I need to move fast. Help me to walk in your spirit 
in both the steps and the stops of life. Dear God, when you tell me to do something, I want to say to you this morning that I'm going to do it immediately. I'm not going to procrastinate or postpone. When I read a command in your word, I'm going to do it. Help me to ask or offer forgiveness for the people in my life that you know I'm out of sorts with. Help me not to put that off because it feels awkward. I don't want to go another day with bitterness and resentment stockpiled in my heart. When I feel tempted, help me to run. To not try and argue my way out of it or flirt with temptation, but to just remove myself from that situation. If it means changing the channel, shutting the web page, or actually leaving a party, or walking out of the room, or moving away from a conversation at the office. And Lord, when I made a promise to you, help me to keep it as quickly as possible. Help me see opportunities for kindness that you put around me each day in that office or at school or uni. Help me not to withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in my power to act. And to carry out quickly the tasks that you have for my life because, Lord, life is so short compared to eternity. And I don't know how long I'm going to live. If you have never invited your Savior Jesus Christ to be the Savior of your life, just say, dear Jesus, I accept your forgiveness of my sin today, now. I ask you to be my Savior because I know I can't possibly save myself. I'll never be good enough to get into a perfect place, so I need your salvation. And I want to trust you. Then, Lord, help me to move slow when I don't have all the facts about a project or a person. And when I'm hurt, and when I'm angry or depressed, help me to rely on your spirit for counsel and go slow. When I have a major decision to make or major purchase to make, help me to check in with you before I move. Help me to wait in faith to see the harvest of the seeds that I'm planting each day. We humbly ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.